Hey, Stevie Taylor here. Welcome to another episode of the Gig Life Podcast. I hope you're well. I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, I actually got out to see a gig um, this week on Sunday night. I headed down to Lazy Bones in Marrickville in Sydney and I caught Karen Lee Andrews and her band um, performing there. And I'll tell you what, what a fantastic show. She's just a killer singer, guitarist, soul, blues, just just really awesome. Cooking band, um, Adam Ventura on bass, um, Yanya Boston on drums, Shannon Stitt on keys, and um, Mark Maloof on guitar. All of them except Shannon have actually been on the podcast before, so it was cool um, Yeah, seeing them all up on stage performing together. It was a, it was a real trip. Um, if you ever get a chance to catch that band, please go check it out. It's definitely worth the money. And yeah, go back and listen to their episodes on the podcast too. So anyway, um, let's get cracking with episode number 48 of the Gig Life Podcast. My guest today is a brilliant young guitarist from Sydney, and his name is Daniel Ma. At 27 years of age, Daniel is already a veteran of musical theatre, having played in over 60 productions. Last year in 2018, he was part of the Voice Australia house band, and this year he joined the Dancing with the Stars house band. He's also worked with Rita Ora, Joe Jonas, Kelly Rowland, Boy George, Cody Simpson, Guy Sebastian, Delta Goodrum, David Campbell and many, many more. Dan is also a member of Sexy Sunday Jam, or SSJ for short. So, as you can see, Daniel has already had a diverse ranging career, and after sitting down with him for this chat, I come away from it thinking, this is really only just the beginning. So, please, grab a seat, sit back and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Daniel Ma. Cheers. All right, I think we're rolling. All right. Dan Ma. Okay. Hey, man. Hey, man. Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. Thank you so much. It's How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm really good. good. Yeah, good. Thank you for having me. It's no worries, man. It's nice, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. And um, yeah, thanks for coming out to my uh, my studio. My pleasure. It's a lovely area around here. Yeah, Just thank driving you, down this street. It's beautiful. No worries. How's the McDonald's coffee? Uh, it'll do. It's McDonald's <laughs> it's coffee. Do, it's going to do the job. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So June 2019, what's, what's a week in the life of Dan Ma at the moment? It really depends. I um, yeah. I mean, I kind of hit the ground running at the start of this year. We um did Dancing with the Stars, which was awesome. Yep, that was we'll a talk really... a bit about that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, well, that was kind of. I had most of January to just freelance as normal, um, which was actually surprisingly busy. Um, but yeah, from sort of early Feb, it was sort of just prepping for this show, which was um quite quite exciting actually because. Yeah, I'd come I'd come from like a little bit of experience in that department before, but this was like a different vibe and I yeah, I didn't really know what to expect because it was a different I've worked on You did the voice. I didn't did you? the voice last, last year. Last year, yep. Um in the house band. I've worked on it a little bit as a guest 
beforehand, but as the house band, I was in there last year, which was awesome as well. And then, but that's very much a singing show. Um, this is obviously a dancing show, and um, so the music is sort of independent to the to the dancing, the choreography, so, yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah, yeah, totally. Which is, um, yeah, it just means you approach it all really, really differently. And mm. I haven't actually been asked to talk about it like this before, so I'm trying to like. Yeah, take word, your time. Word everything take, in my head. Take your time. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it was really exciting because we were all, unlike The Voice last year, I was sort of coming in to it, you know, I was the fresh guy in the band of guys who had been doing it for seven seasons already, you know. Right. But with dancing, we were all like, you know, because the show had run for 16 years or something like that in Melbourne. Right. And then they had a hiatus for a few years and then Channel 10 picked it up and they brought it to Sydney. And um, so we were a fresh new band, fresh new network, and it was really exciting because we were all just on the same page. Mm. Um, Some and cool it, cats in that band, oh, man. Dude, unbelievable band. Mm. Um, and a big band too. It was really nice to have because, you know, these days like everything's about cutting costs and and trying to keep budgets down and stuff like that. But whilst that's still a factor, they they were forking out the money for like a 12-piece sort of band and that's – that's huge to have every week on TV. Yeah. How long did it run for? 12, it ran 12 weeks? For, yeah, it was like yeah. 11 weeks, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and it was just just one show every week and it was live, which is really funny because compared to The Voice again, there was a lot of prep leading up to each leg of the show. Like we'd have weeks and weeks of preparation before we even started filming anything right. on The Voice. And then when we moved into the studio for Dancing with the Stars, it – it was like, oh, okay, bump into the studio on Friday, rehearsal on Sunday, first live show on Monday. It was just like, bang, here mm. we are. Um, and then, and you, the, then you're gone again until Friday. Well, then we go, yeah, it's sort of we're not out of the – there's a lot of like time at home spent prepping and, okay. and programming sounds, but okay. in terms of actually in the studio, it was only two days a week. So it was okay. – uh, yeah, it was Saturday rehearsal and, and Monday show. Mm. Yeah. And then Monday would be like an all day event. We'd had a band. We'd have a band rehearsal in the morning, then like a like a full dress rehearsal, camera rehearsal in the afternoon, and then cameras go live on Monday night. And yeah, it was just awesome. Like there's that, you know, there's that adrenaline yeah. that comes with a gig like that. Yeah, you know, it's it's live and no yeah. taking anything back. So yeah, but in a lot of ways, I prefer that to something that can be kind of like, for example, if we were pre-recording an episode. And then it was going into editing and listened to over and over and over. I'm almost more nervous yeah. about that. Yeah, right. You know, once yeah, it's right. live, it's just out there. It's, it's like, gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's never coming back. So Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, thankfully, I kind of, I tend to enjoy that kind of That's cool. vibe. Because I've spoken to a few people about live, live playing. Yeah, as you would. And yeah, there's so many different. People got so many different takes on it. Like other people get really anxious and yeah. like, oh, I don't want to fuck this up. I don't. Whereas people like they fly with it, eh? Totally. Yeah. I think um, what I've found is that when you speak to people, you would know this more than anyone probably. I reckon people are wired to like musicians are wired to thrive more under like studio conditions or live conditions, and like. People might do both all the time, but I reckon there's one where they feel more comfortable to- than the other. Totally, hundred percent. F- and for me, I'm more alive, right? Do like I can if I'm in the studio, or especially if someone else is paying. Like if I'm in my own time, that's fine. But if like you know, if you're paid uh, for three hours and you got to get X amount of tracks done, and 
there's no time to to screw it up. Um, I can listen back to those parts over and over and over until I hate myself, basically. Right. And um, but something about I don't know what it is actually. There's like certain energy in the room when it's a live performance, and I think I feed more off that. Right. Awesome. And I can keep out of my own head a bit more. Mm. Whereas if I was here in the studio recording for you, I'd be like. You know, I mean, I have to do right. that sometimes, but I, I get more in my head about it. I gotcha. So, was Dancing with the Stars a live audience? Yeah, it was. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Yeah, 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 it was right. cool. Right. Um, we had a beautiful set actually. It was um like a big, sparkly yeah, ballroom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures and videos. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff on it. yeah. It was really, really nice. It was yeah. a nice vibe to be, to be around every week. And how did that come about? It was so lucky. Um, for me anyway. Um. Well, I know you've spoken to Yanya Boston. Um, he's a good friend of mine. And the the MD was a guy called Dorian West, who is a brilliant musician uh, and music director uh, from Melbourne. He's done pretty much every TV show that you can think of besides The Voice. Right. Um, any any music show, I mean. Um, and so he, he got booked on for the show and it was in Sydney this year and he, he's from Melbourne. And so he and Yanya are very close and... From what I understand from Yanya, he just hit Yanya up and he was like, hey, I'm MDing the show. I want you on drums. Um, but I just want you to organize a great band um, of guys that you think will do a right. great job and that you'd love to hang out with. Right. And and so he sort of he sort of put us all together, which is really cool. And, yeah, and so within – it was in like – it must have been the end of last year because I – they downsized the uh, – they downsized the voice band. I was um, going to ask why you're not doing it this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. so basically there, there's a huge budget cut. And I was always playing guitar too anyway um, alongside Michael Dolce, who's I'm sure you know a yep. brilliant mm-hmm. player. And he was a really lovely or is still really a lovely mentor sure. for me. He really took me under his wing. I was just the fresh new dude mm. um, in the band and pretty freaked out, to be honest, by the whole overwhelming mountain of – Work ahead Pop work, of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's a pretty intimidating gig. Yep. Um, and man, depending on who you have in a band like that around you, it could kind of make or break you, I reckon. Sure, yeah. And man, Dolce just, he took me under his wing and he just fast tracked my learning of the gig, basically, because he'd been there for seven years. Right. And he sort of, and, you know, he'd be telling me stories about when he started and how they were sort of all learning how to do the gig together because it's a pretty intricate beast. Um, and man, I was just so overwhelmed by the whole thing and, Mm. but he really, really helped me. Like he was just a lovely, lovely dude to, to kind of show me the ropes with it. Mm. Um, but anyway, so he was always guitar one and yeah. So when, when time came this year for budget cuts, uh, yeah, guitar two, unfortunately didn't make the cut, but, um, within two weeks of losing that gig, I, I did a gig with Yanya and he's like, hey, what are you doing in – I mean, I'd known Yanya for years I was going to say, yeah. Had yeah, you, yeah, had yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we worked together a lot, but we just happened to be on this gig. And he's okay. like, hey, I was going to give you a call. And um, he goes, but I may as well ask you about it here. Um, yeah, he goes, what are you doing between February and April or whatever it was? And I said, nothing now. <laughs> you know, yeah. my, my calendar had kind of opened wide right? because I thought that, you know, up until that point that The Voice would probably be happening again. And, yeah, and so within, like, a couple of weeks of losing one gig, the other one came up, and all I could think of is that if that's not the universe having my back, man, yeah, I don't man. know what it is. Yeah. Um, I felt very, very lucky in that moment. And then 
Yeah, I just got, I mean, Yanya kind of sent off the names to Dorian and then a couple of weeks later we all got phone calls about it and then, yeah, then we just had a friggin' great experience. I'm trying not to swear. You can swear oh, as much as oh, you really? like. Oh, totally. We yeah. had a fucking great experience. Yeah, great. Because <laughs> <laughs> when, when, uh, when I upload these, there's little options and tick boxes. Oh, okay. And I think there's only been one where I haven't ticked explicit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's all good. If, if people don't like swearing, they can go listen to something else. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> true. We're musers, man. It's part, of the, <laughs> part of the language. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, that's fantastic, man. I did feel very, um, yeah, very lucky mm. for that to work out the way mm. it did. And has it it's been renewed? You know? the for, for the Dancing with the Stars? For next year, you mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know officially, okay. Um, but it it looks positive. Like it's nominated. I know it's nominated for a Logie. Yeah, which is it was always a big, a, massive show, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's nominated for best uh, best entertainment program or whatever that there you means. Go. And I think anything that Grant Daniels associated with these days. <laughs> I know he's <laughs> a winner. Eh? He is yeah, such man. a funny dude, man. Yeah, yeah, right. Actually, he and Amanda Keller, yeah, the hosts of the show, um, they were just they were just absolutely hilarious. I um. On the show, because we'd have our Aviom mixes, like our little personal mixes, and um, I, I always had the show channel off all the way because sometimes you get bleed from the audience and bleed from the oh, right. the show. And if I'm trying to concentrate on the click or on on the song or whatever, and I'm being distracted, I didn't want any of that. But sure. but I'd constantly be riding that channel because when they were doing their banter, I just I couldn't miss it. it yeah, so, oh, great, That's it cool. was so funny. But unfortunately, yeah. um, Grant. Had some back issues and he kind of missed most of the season actually. Oh, right. Yeah, he was there for the first couple of weeks and then was in hospital for like the last, besides the finale, the last like six weeks of it. Or something oh, right. Like okay. Yeah, it was real unfortunate. Right. He's a lovely dude. He always used to come out every Monday after the show. We'd all, like the whole crew, the whole um, cast of dancers, the whole band, we'd all go out for drinks at the bar. Great. And um, he'd always be there. Like he'd always have a huge grin on his face, guy smiley. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he always. Yeah, he was always a, a really fun dude to be mm. around. Yeah, yeah, that's great, man. All right, let's roll back. Yeah, okay. early days. So early um, days, early days, beginning days, mm. startup days. <laughs> so where did it all begin? Um, you, you, I've, you told me that you started playing guitar at twelve. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Sounds so, late. No, so, really, at an average age. Yeah, right. Well, from the people that I've talked to. Yeah, right. Yeah, about fourteen, fifteen is okay. kind of the. Yeah, kind yeah, of right. kind of the age people pick up instruments. Yeah, and and I I heard just the other day of a musician that I mean he's 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 passed away now, and he was a massive musician in New Zealand. He didn't start till he was thirty five. Are you joking? No. Nah. And what and what age did he pass? If you don't mind, eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah, so yeah. he had a good career then. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought he was, you know, musician musician like that would have started when he was a kid. You know, totally. Yeah, but um, not the case. Had he had he come up in a I mean, I was going to ask if he came up in a musical family, but he probably would have started earlier. If he yeah, did. I'm not quite sure of his early beginnings. What yeah, did he yeah. play? Was he a... Oh, saxophone, trumpet. Yeah, right. You know, all that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and was a big educator as well over there. I wonder what was the um, what the instigator of him deciding at 35. Don't know. Really don't know. Yeah, Didn't right. get that far into it. Well, good for him. Yeah, man. Shows so, you it's never too late to exa- start. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, right. And what about you? Musical family? Um... Sort of, not really. Um, my dad used to play bass in in the church band when he was a kid. Um, well, actually, even up until he was a, an adult. Like when I was young, I still have memories of 
of going to church and watching him play. Um, but he never, it was always just on the side. He always had, um, actually he's had an interesting life. He's, you know, he was, he played for the, the Australian basketball team. He was in the NBL and then he left that to go and be, be a pilot in the Air Force. Right. And then they wanted to keep posting us around the world and I was very young at the time uh, and he, so he, he wasn't having a bar what, at that. What age was, what, what age would you have been? I would have been like one to oh, right, three, okay. like super young. Right. And uh, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't a fan of. You know, picking us all up, and yeah, yeah, reestablishing ourselves, yep, um, every every few years in a different country or whatever. Um, so he kind of left that and then went into the air force. Ah, oh, sorry, no, into IT. Yep, yeah, you might want to cut that. That's all. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, the coffee's not kicked in yet. My brain's still. What's <laughs> well, only McDonald's coffee, man? <laughs> Maybe it will never kick in. No, that's right. Um, um, but yeah, so my dad always played a little bit of of bass and and he tried to teach me a guitar when I was a bit younger. We had an acoustic around the house, but man, it never got set up. The action was so high. It was yeah. unplayable and I had tiny fingers back then and I just I just couldn't deal with it. Right. Um so I kind of didn't really cling on to the the idea of playing guitar then, but yeah, my mum kind of she used to play pa- piano when she was a kid, but yep. she was never she never did anything with it. Right. She's got good pitch, like she can sing quite well, mm-hmm. but just in terms of singing around the house, you know. I gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah, so not a particularly musical family at all. Um, I mean, I've had, you know, my my dad's mum, my grandma, she was quite an amazing classical pianist when she was young. Um, so there is definitely music yeah, in, the, in sure. the family, in the blood there somewhere. But, yep. um, yeah, it was definitely something that I always had an interest in since I was about – because I started – I actually wanted to play drums initially – Good man. <laughs> <laughs> I know my audience. <laughs> um, but when I approached the – I was in primary school and when I approached the the head of music there, they were trying to push me more into like tuned percussion, playing glockenspiel and all that kind of stuff. Did they have a drummer already? I don't know. I, okay. I th- they must have because I think they were trying to fill yeah, yeah. different parts of the, right. the school orchestra or whatever. And uh, I just – wasn't really interested in that. I wanted to play, you know, smash some drums, man. It's not the same as like playing exactly <laughs> Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the yeah. Glock. <laughs> um, and to try and encourage that, my my pop, my mum's dad, um, he bought me like just a floor tom drum and he bought me a snare stand to put that on. So I had oh. a floor, just a floor tom. Right. <laughs> I wanted a drum kit. Yeah, yeah. And this is what I got. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when I kind of gave, I had about, I don't know, maybe six weeks of drum lessons. Yep. But it was really hard, man, because i go to my drum teacher's house and there'd be a kit there and then I'd go home and I wouldn't have anything to practice yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really hard and I kind of lost lost the, the desire to do that. Um, and then I tried to sell the drum and the stand to cash converters <laughs> and no one would buy it because it was just a floor tom without a floor tom stand and it was a snare stand without a snare. Um, Even those guys are going, man, what, what's no, what is this? I know. What are we supposed, what are we supposed to do with this? To do with this? Yeah. Like, how do you think I feel? Yeah, it's, it's um, a stool, man. You <laughs> no, sit on it, you know? <laughs> Didn't even have a stool. <laughs> um, but definitely appreciate them trying to, I mean, of it course. probably came down to a money thing or or I think maybe that they just thought it was a phase and didn't want to fork out for a drum kit. Yeah, right. If it was just going to be a passing thing. But right. who knows what would have happened. But 
I still feel almost like I'm a drummer in a guitar player's body sometimes. I remember going and seeing um, George Benson with the Sydney Symphony. He was doing like a Nat King Cole thing. This is probably 2010. Um, and, <laughs> and I was fourth row, dead centre, and George Benson was right there. And then I can't remember his name, Oscar Searle, drummer from America. Oscar not, not sure. Anyway, Oscar somebody. Yep. Um, I, my eyes were just glued to him yeah, right. the entire time. Like George yep. Benson, one of my heroes, is right there. But all I could focus on was his guy. It's funny because, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a drummer. Um, but when I go to shows, I like watching guitarists and bass players. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because a drummer is a, dr- is a drummer. Yeah, yeah. It's and what you do. I play drums. Yeah, yeah. It's you always look at the drummer. Totally, yeah, you know, yeah. check the style and the feel, and you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and if they're doing the right thing, you don't have to look. Don't have to look at them. But for me, it's it's bass players and guitar players. Yeah, Interesting. But, yeah. yeah, I guess it's for you know, it's sort of focusing on what's exotic a bit to us, I suppose. Totally. Because drums for you is like your home. Totally. Um, you know where you feel at home, and guitar. You know, not to take away from the fact that I could never play like George Benson and that right. I should be like maybe soaking it all up while I'm there. But I just, I was so just taken by, by the drummer. Mm. Oscar Searle, I'm pretty sure his name okay. is. <laughs> it's yeah. coming back to me. Yeah. It's a while ago now. And then, yes, yeah, so I quit that for a while and then I took up saxophone and yeah. I, I actually was renting a saxophone. So I actually had something to practice on, unlike drums. Um, there was just something about that though that didn't click right with me. I think I was just not getting very good at it and not to condone giving up, but I just think that, you know, I was having to force it a bit. Like I don't think I loved it enough to push through. And I, I look back on that now and I kind of wish that I stuck to it. Even even not, you know, in addition to playing guitar, right? it'd be great to be able to play some sax because right. I just love the saxophone. Yeah. But back then I don't think I was doing sax for the right reason. Maybe I think I was doing it too play an instrument rather than playing sax because I wanted to play sax. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, and then I kind of didn't play an instrument for a while at all right. after that. It was a few years probably. And I always loved music. Like I was always big into music and listening to it. And um, but As I probably mentioned to you in some notes before, I um, I was a massive rap head. Like I was listening yeah. constantly. Like my, If you'd looked into my bedroom as a 12-year-old kid, like my walls were, you know, draped with, Posters Tupac and 50 Cent, Eminem awesome. and, yeah, yeah, like couldn't have been more white as a kid basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I just noticed the Simon Phillips poster, man. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's, that was 1995. Amazing. Yeah, he's, he's a beast. Yeah, he's incredible. I saw him play with Toto in 2005. Yeah, was it that, that was at um, Metro? 2008, sorry, actually. Uh, was that Enmore? Enmore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw him at the Metro. And then saw him at Enmore. Oh, yeah. yeah when, and then so Simon came out on a on – well, that that particular picture there, um, um, he came out – I think he was out here with Toto and it was the first the first tour after Jeff, Jeff Beccaro had died. Oh, right. Was he the first replacement? He was, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. Um, and he came out – I think they Toto played at Selena's in Coogee. No way. Yeah, yeah, and then he came out and he did that that clinic tour, and I, I'd only been in New Ze- in Australia for maybe six months. Yeah, wow. Yeah, from, welcome, from New welcome Zealand. to Australia. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool, man. Well, 
the one at Enmore was Lee Sklar was on. Lee Sklar, yeah. Oh, man. See, the, the, me and my mate, pe- you know, people who listen to this podcast, I've told the story ten times, but, you know, it's that's fine. You can hear it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm open to it, man. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, at, at the Enmore, um, we started up the back and then we worked our way to the front and Simon Phillips and Lee Scalar were over to the right-hand side of the stage. Yeah, yeah. So me and my mate. Were there. He was watching Simon play, <laughs> and I was watching Lee play. Yeah, there you go. And the whole night, Lee didn't look at his guitar once. I know. He just, <laughs> he's a good. I, I love him, man. I've watched so many clips of him as well. I don't think I've ever seen him look at his guitar at all. No. And man, do, pe- do people? I, I mean, I had friends in high school say that you know refer to him as the caveman. I don't know whether that was maybe their it's own. a look thing, or I, I don't know. Well, yeah, mm. I figure that's where whether yeah. they made the name up or not. But right. I didn't know whether he was sort of. Known as the caveman, or whether it was just my friends at school. Yeah, I think it might be your friends. Yeah, well, <laughs> I personally, I haven't, I haven't heard that. But I mean, even way back when he was with, with um, you know, James Taylor and yeah. whoever else early on, he, he's al- he's always had that look. Totally, the, the long, long hair, beard, the beard. Yeah, you know, when he was playing with Phil Collins, it was the yeah. same. And he's just older now. Everything's white. How old is he now? Do you know? seven, I think he might be seventy. Yeah, right. What a stellar career. Hang on, person. we'll just Google this. Yeah, let's Hang Google it. Oh, hang on. <laughs> hang on. Before we do that, I actually... <laughs> I know what's coming now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in Dan, Dan's little bio he sent me, he, he said he heard this guitar solo and decided he wanted to be a guitar player. So here we go. So it was this. It was this, You heard yeah. this and went, yeah. this is it. And it's funny, actually, listening back to it now and with other influences, I don't really resonate with this type of playing yeah. anymore, but, like, at yeah. the time, this was like, wow. Yeah, when you listen to it, it like, it's quite messy, eh? Yeah. I think I think it was just a, the producer of the track. I think he just, just noodled something. Just noodled something. Or yeah, yeah. He might have even played on a piano through a... Through or something, maybe you know? the, the tone yeah. is not award-winning, so, yeah. so it could have been something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't but, that funny though? You, when you you do hear something that inspires you early, and you go back and hear it now, and you mm-hmm. go, oh. totally. But like, but that's fine. It served its purpose. And well, like I said, I was so deep into rap that that was sort of like the bridge, right? The bridge of you know into the world of right. other music and guitar, and um, and even sort of realizing that you can still like rap. Because I think at that time maybe I'd separated you either like rap or you like other music. I, that's gotcha. a bit dumb to say, but maybe my 11 or 12-year-old brain thought like that. Yeah. But that was definitely like a bridge of some kind into, you know, the merging of, of guitar and rap or just my interest in guitar sort of coming from something that I loved already. Yep, gotcha. Okay, Lee Scalar's 72. 72. Yeah. Nailed it with the, with the mm. 70s. Yeah. Yeah, mm. man. What a career. Still going hard, man. Yeah. Still touring the world with Phil Collins. And, totally. And um, he looks exactly the same. He does. Just, just white. Still moves As around and head. plays like he did. And, you know, totally. Awesome. Yeah. Just, man. Um, okay, where were we? I don't know. So I'm, I'm now thinking. I'll, I'll uh, roll it back. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just on that Eminem train. Right now. Oh yeah, but that's right. That's right. We were just about to talk about the M, and M song, and then you saw the Simon Phillips that, poster. Oh, that's All right. right. Yeah, yeah. All right. And we're back. <laughs> we're back. <coughs> yeah. So Sipping you heard you heard that track, and um, mm. yeah, like you said, that was your sort of the bridge from 
yeah. being a being a rap listener to fuck, I think I want to play guitar. Totally, and mm. I didn't even have to think about it for very long. Right, I walked out of my bedroom, and because uh, my dad was very, um, he's actually not very, he's not religious at all anymore. But back then, it was quite because I, I grew up in like a Catholic church, and I'm not, I'm not particularly religious myself. <laughs> um, but he was very like anti swearing, anti this, anti that. Um, and, you know, from, from trying to protect his young kids from profanity. I understand. Um, and so any song, because I was so into rap, that was obviously hard for my dad to to be okay with me listening to, you know, shit like that. And um, so every time I wanted to buy a, buy a song or download a song, download illegally on LimeWire. LimeWire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he would always look up the lyrics online. Oh, right. And, uh, and then decide whether... I could listen to the song or not, or I could buy the song or not. Okay. And um, pretty much the only stuff he would let me listen to was Will Smith rap yeah. or uh, LL Cool J okay. because they were fairly tame by yep. comparison. Um, but but I heard that song, I think, man, every day after school pretty much I had to stop at the local shopping centre because my bus from school I had to change over at the shops. And so I always had about 40 minutes um, in between buses and I'd always go into Sanity. Great. And it was around the time the Eminem show came out, that album. Right. And uh, it was on the, you know, the listening machines. Yeah, man. You go, Sam, I yeah. just go and listen to the whole album pretty wow, much. Oh, that's great. Um, between, that's so cool. Yeah, between buses because that was the only place that I could actually yeah. listen to it safely. What a cool that. story. It's... Oh, well, man, it's just, it was sort of all I had to, to yeah, go yeah. off at that time. Yeah. And um, anyway, so I remember, I can't remember how I was listening to it. I might have downloaded it when Dad was out of the house or something like that. Um. And I was listening to it in my room and I walked out straight after hearing that for the first time and I said, Dad, I want to play guitar. Like, I want to play electric guitar. And he didn't even, he didn't put up a fight or anything. Like, he was always very supportive. Um, he was like, all right, we'll go buy you one. And then, cool, man. Yeah, a couple of days later, we I think, yeah, the, the next weekend, um, we went into the local music shop and there was a dude there who worked there. He, he was playing with Rose Tattoo for a little while and I thought he was just the Best thing ever. <laughs> like he had long hair. It was covered in tattoos. His name was Ellie someone. But um, anyway, so I bought like the – or dad bought the, you know, the $150 starter pack. You get a guitar okay. and a little yep. amp and – I've got uh, – where is it? I've got a little – it was actually my first bass. My first bass is in that bag. You oh, see yeah. the headstock sticking out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know. I think my amp's behind there. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yep, yep. <laughs> Doesn't even have, I don't know what the brand is. I can't. I, I, no, no, I don't. I don't know either. But it works, man. It's yeah, killer. Right? Yeah, lo- got to love those packs. Dude. Totally, get some picks and get a book. Yep, get a strap. Thing. Yep, totally. Yep. yep. Anyway, man, like I came with this like purple Samic Strat copy, and uh, I just thought that was the best thing ever. I play. I couldn't play anything on it, but this Ellie dude in the shop just like ripped this solo on it when he was showing us. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking sick. Anyway, so we got that. Went home and. Yeah, so I think I've gone off topic. A bit. No, 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 that's right. No, yeah, right. you got you got your guitar, and so okay. So with that pack that you got, you got the book. Did you start straight away putting your head into that book, or um, my very? Did you look at teachers straight away, or you just wanted to? just No, jam? I don't think I started in the book straight away. Okay, but I think I did start lessons pretty much straight away. Yep. Um, with my uh, school teacher, not my class teacher but like the tutor who was at the school yep. and he was an older dude and he was 
he was a really horrible teacher, actually. He um mm. he had zero patience. And I was like a 12-year-old kid who was just picking up the guitar for the first time. In the first lesson, he was like yelling at me for for getting things wrong and like messing. Oh, he was trying to teach me like a D, like an open D chord. And my fingers rolled back to front. And like without really showing me how to actually fix it, was just getting pissed off at me for right. I'm just and I just immediately I felt like it was not the right vibe for me, like being with this teacher. And um and yeah, so I went to my local sort of music school outside of that, like guitar shop studios upstairs mm-hmm. kind of vibe. And um yeah, I I had some lessons with this. I can't remember his last name. Matt, someone. Sorry, can I ask what area? Yeah, Castle Hill. So I grew oh, up you're not f- too oh, you're far. You're from the hills. Yeah, I was actually born in North Rocks, just around the corner. Really? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. And I grew up in uh, Borkham Hills, and then uh, moved to Cherrybrook when I was. Uh, actually, I grew up in. So I was born in North Rocks, moved to Cherrybrook, grew, grew up there, then moved to Castle Hill when right. I was a teenager, then moved back to Cherrybrook, then right. moved to the city. So was it now. Max Music? It was Max Music. Right. I yeah. used to teach there. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, bro. That's <laughs> yeah, where but, I went. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know I know Ben really well. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we've done some some bunch of gigs together. And, oh, cool. And um, <laughs> that's where I bought that bat- no bass way. pack from, yeah. <laughs> but that was when, it, when he had his really old shop, the first shop, which was... Um, in Victoria Avenue. No, 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 oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it was on the main, the main drag, just before the towers. Oh, that that's, that oh. part of the towers, the new, the newer part of the towers. Yeah, before it was built. I think that was before my. Yeah, yeah, my would, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, man, dude, small world. I reckon, eh? <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um, well, yeah, I mentioned that I had a brief. Um, Stint of working in a guitar store. That was that. Oh, yeah, right. Well. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. So, were you working as a teacher or no, working no, down in the store? No, I was a bit too young for that. I yep. was um, 14 probably at that point, but I was just polishing guitars. It was sort of like a part time yep. job, like just for, for six or seven hours on a Saturday. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'd go and polish everything, tune everything up, made a few sales, but I was skinning. Not skinning, reskinning drum heads and yeah. stuff like that. I could actually do that before I <laughs> could restring a guitar, which really? is funny. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't do it now, but yeah, I probably did a terrible job to be honest. But um, as good as my fourteen-year-old self could do. Great. Um, yeah. So, but that's where I started getting lessons, and right. man, that was I had some really great teachers there. Great. Yeah. Um, and I moved from that Mac guy, I can't remember his name, but he was so patient with me. He showed me, he introduced, like he taught me all the modes. Um, and, you know, he got me out of that whole, you know, pentatonic box shape thinking, um, sort of taught me sort of more the the layout of the neck in terms of like seeing it all as a whole rather than right. box shapes and just, just gotcha. things that were really important looking back in terms of um, sort of how you approach Guitar playing, it's sort of, he was really, um, really important to me for that. Forward thinking almost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I got, I got and then I moved from him to another guy there called David Bullock, who, um, who is still a good friend of mine now. He lives in Newcastle now, but um, we still keep in touch. And he, he was a great teacher, but he was also just like a bro. Like yeah. he never treated me like that I was the student and he was like the teacher because he was – there wasn't actually that much age difference between us. He was maybe five years older than me at yep. the time. Yep. I was probably 16 at that point point. he was 21. Mm-hmm. And he was a mind-blowing player. He still is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just – like he'd show me something. He'd show me like a, a new 
idea or a new scale or something like that. And then we just jam on it for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And instead of, you know, because you know how it is, like it's one thing to learn something and it's another another thing to learn how to actually apply it in a situation. Um, I just liked his style of teaching. Like he, he'd show me something. I was still learning stuff, but he'd also show me, you know, he'd, he'd play different progressions and I'd have to improvise using that scale and he'd change the progression and I'd I'd have to... You know, you know, depending on the progression that he was doing, that that scale now wasn't working, and I'd have to figure out what had to change in there. And um, and any any time I did something, he'd stop, like good or bad. He goes, and why? So why'd you do that? Yeah, great. That's, and um, that's a, that's a good teacher. And a lot of my answers were, oh, I don't know. And but and, and then he'd show me why, what I did made it sound a certain way, um, because you know it's one thing to feel. The, the change, but you don't, you know, theoretically to figure out what note you're playing over, what chord and why it sounds the way that it does. If you want to make a certain flavor, um, yeah, it's it's good to know all that stuff. And I, yeah, I still uh, have really fond memories of, of those lessons with him. Great. Um, and like I said, we still keep in, in touch. And mm. actually I got, he had a tattoo on his arm. I've got the same one here. Um, right. He had the same, like the exact same tattoo in exactly the same spot because I saw that when I was a sixteen-year-old kid. I was like, "Oh, you copied him!" I literally copied him. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, he copied it off the internet. So, 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 were you thinking deep down, this is the first tattoo to like get my full arm tats like that rose tattoo guy? Maybe. <laughs> like, I don't think even back then that I even had more tattoos on the mind. But do you have any tattoos yourself? No. Nah, nah. Oh well, if you ever get nah, one, I wear mine on the inside, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're hardcore, bro. Um, uh, but like anyone who has tattoos will tell you that you might think you only want one, but they're they're bloody addictive. Yeah. And um, I never used to think that I thought, oh, I'll just have, I'll get one or two. But now I'm like thinking about you know the full sleeve thing and great. And I'm not actually opposed to that at all. I just I have a thing with covering myself too early. Like I understand. I, I have no problem covering myself, not head to toe, but like having lots. I understand. Yeah. I just don't want to chew up all my space before the story's told. You know. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good way of thinking. Well, yeah, I just don't want... I see so many people who've covered themselves and they're 25 and I'm like, what happens if you want something in the future? Yeah. You've got nowhere to put it. Exactly. Um, but I tend to sit on ideas for a long time anyway. Like right. when I saw his, I was 16 and I didn't get that till I was 18. So I knew that I definitely wanted it. But it's just a... I think, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, but on the internet design... It said tribal clef because it's a uh, it's a treble clef that's made out of right. like abstract quavers. Um, <laughs> it's 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 not. I mean, I'll show you. But after. the internet calls it the tribal clef. I think on the on the design that's website. Where, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, so so, and then I went to a couple of guys after him, okay. um, and I didn't really gel with them in the same way. But um, one teacher that I did go to a few years later. This is sort of around my HSC time. He was um I was living in Castle Hill and I was driving to North Sydney twice a week, um, no, St. Leonard's, um, to go to Jazz Workshop Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy called Saul Richardson who's an incredible jazz guitar player and I was, I didn't really love jazz and I still don't really love jazz um, but I was focused on getting into uni at that point um, and I knew that because I really wanted to go to the con at that time Okay. Um, and I wasn't really up to scratch with jazz. So for a couple of years I like slammed the jazz stuff with, with this guy. And he was like a brilliant player, brilliant educator, but like 
pretty brutal teacher, like very stern, very non-expressional. Like I could never read the dude. Mm. Like he was very nice but sort of one of those, I think he had like a bit more of an old school approach to teaching. Maybe um, you weren't supposed to read him. Maybe, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and um, But man, he did, he did like get me to work my ass off on mm. it, which so obviously his methods worked. Totally, um, yeah. He's not the type of teacher you go out and have a beer with afterwards. Okay. Um, but And you're not going to copy his tattoos either, right? <laughs> he didn't have any t- <laughs> he, he looked a bit more like an accountant than okay. a guitar player. Yeah. Um, I bet you he had tattoos. Though. Maybe. Bet you, bet you or maybe he is also hardcore and wears them exactly. on the inside. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but he, was, he did really good things for me as well, especially with um, like reading music and stuff like that. I could read pretty well, but I was pretty much self-taught on okay. the reading side of things. Yep. Um, but he, which meant that I had a, a, some huge gaps in sort of okay. my understanding of how to do it. And he, he filled in all those gaps really well because he was an insane reader. Right. So you can sight read now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, um, Great. Well, yes, I can. But like the more gigs I do, the, the less rusty I get at it. Sometimes oh, of course. It's, it's, a, it's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, um, Adam, he's spoken a few times to me about that. Adam Ventura. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. About about reading mm. and um you know, very like early days, that's kind of all he did, mm. but then didn't read for such a long time. And you kind of, kind of got to do it to keep your chops up, you know. Totally. And he ended up getting a gig um, at Lazy Bones, which was a full on reading gig. Reading gig, yeah. And it just got his chops bang straight back up. I know? think he's mentioned that yeah. to me. I think we've had a reading reading discussion, him and oh, I. Awesome. Yeah. As well. Man, he's a motherfucker of a bass Fucking player. <laughs> he's like one of, one of the best men. Oh dude, just mean as mean as like. exactly. <laughs> yeah. In 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 everything. Yeah. Everything he does. Plays so with so much attitude. It's just yeah. you can't you feel it in your chest, man, no matter where you are in the room. And uh it's so so percussive in the way that he plays too. I just Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. yep. I really love um I really love his stuff. And he's a sick dude to hang out with too. Yeah, I man. just love his energy. Yeah. Um yeah, he he was also in the dancing in band. In the band, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And man, yeah. He, the whole band was just unreal. Just going back to that for a second, cool. Like, totally. It just yeah. it didn't sound like. I mean, we had charts and we were all reading charts, but it didn't sound like a band that was reading charts. You know how you can. You know Did how, you think the voice felt like that though? No, okay. no, it didn't. But like, like I said, because all those guys are motherfucking players too. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, I think the difference is, though, because it's a singing show, um, I think the vocal always took, okay, gotcha. uh, you know, priority in terms of the mix um, sometimes, um, whereas because the music was sort of, an in, you know, wasn't affecting the competition so much in, um, in the dancing shows, so we were all cranked a bit louder and, right. um, you know... It was a bit, yeah. I think there was a bit more room to to play around with it. Just on just on that a little bit. So, with the voice, mm. was there just were you like ever told that, like you just said, that it's this is a singing show. Yeah, you need to keep your particular type of playing down. Oh no, it's not. It wasn't uh, okay, anything like right, that. No worries. No, it was, so don't um, be too flash. Don't you know? No, don't no. Try and lick out. You know. You know what I mean? I mean, I think less was more. Um, in that sort of environment, but but it was pretty much just a strict parts thing. Like, okay. but there's always you know if there's room for 
for movement and to play out a bit more, um, that always needs to be a bit of a a direction, like a directional thing. Like I, I, I think first and foremost, you should just learn the part, learn it strictly. Yep, and um, don't, go, don't go, fuck with it too much. Go from there. Yep, and then if there's room to when you get in rehearsal or whatever, if there's room to to play out with it and flesh it out a bit, then that's cool. Um, but I never. I didn't really feel like it was my place at that point because I was, like I said, I was the new guy. I was yeah, sort I of just trying to, yep. just trying to nail the gig. To be honest, yep. um, I didn't really want to overstep anything. Sure. Um, so I figured it was better to just, you know, learn my bit and stick to that. And then if told otherwise, I can do whatever. Um, but but again, that came back to Dolce a lot as well. That was right. really cool because he and I, because you know, there's two guitar parts yep. and a lot of things and. Throughout the week when we're learning the songs, he and I would be on the phone together and he'd be like, okay, you take this part and I'll take this part and um, and blah, blah, blah. And we'd like talk about the sounds that we were going to use. And uh, and yeah, so I, I kind of could gauge how much room there would be to to play within a part based on right. uh, what we discussed during the week. Yep. Yeah. So um, he was just bloody awesome. And Dancing like with the Stars, one guitar? You would soul guitar? I was I – was, the lead guitar on okay. dancing, but because right. Dorian Dorian plays guitar, the MD. Oh right, okay. I but, thought he was a, a keys player. Well, he so that's the thing. He um he plays guitar, keys, oh. uh, trumpet, does BBs, does all the track right. on the show as well. He's one talented mofo man, right. like, and he's just the funnest dude. Like he's so chill. Like he's got everybody. Like he's got thirty people calling his name all at once, and uh, you know, all wanting something. And and he's just so chill, man. He just takes care of one person at a time. Yeah, super man. calm, collected. Um, until everyone's taken care of. Yeah, I've never seen him snap about anything. Right. Um, and he's super open to suggestion, but he's got a very clear vision himself of what he wants, but he's not, you know, it's not like his way or the highway. It's like if, if you're feeling something, he's open to it. And um, But because he had so much other, other shit on his plate, I kind of did most of the... Um, I gotcha. The, the main guitar parts. Yep. Um, mostly because... You know, if the, we had three horns on the gig, but often there were four horn parts. Um, so he'd play trumpet on a lot of things as okay. well, and he'd play organ on a lot of stuff. But he was would also play, you know, quite a bit of guitar as right. well. Um, and Daryl Beaton was on keys, oh, bro, yeah. so you covered there, aren't you? Man, <laughs> <laughs> like just the whole band was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, we had Steve Fitzmorris on on saxophone, Mike Raper on uh, trombone, Ken Allars on trumpet. And then Dorian on trumpet, keys, guitar. He oh man, and he plays slide guitar. So like he's got a lap steel, and he's just oh really oh. But he, he's like a ma- you know how some people are like jacks of all trades, but masters of none. Yeah, man, yeah. This guy's a bloody master, master of everything. everything. Yeah. <laughs> it shits me. Yeah. In the best possible way. Yeah. Um, and he's just like I said, he's just a fun dude as well. Um, and then Yanya, who's beast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Daryl on keys, me on guitar. Then we had Regan Derry on vocals. Do you know her? I know who she is. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, haven't, I don't know. Don't know her. She yeah. is brilliant. We had um, Karen Lee Andrews. Yep. Yeah, Miss yep. Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre Kamen. Do you know him? I, I know of Andre. Yeah, cool. Yeah, don't, and the, don't know him personally. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, and then Carlos uh, yep. Velasquez, mm-hmm. C major. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so across all those people, man, like we just had such a fiery band. Yeah, it was great fun, man. We we all had a really good time, and the hang was awesome too. Yeah, because that's, cool. that's so much. You know, there's on a gig like that. There's so much waiting around. Like, there's a lot of time where you're not yep. actually playing. Yep. And the same was on the voice as well. 
Um, we all have talkback mics, so we're all and because there's quite a bit of distance between everyone in the band area. You know, you're not just sitting side by side with people. You're okay. kind of spread out over quite right. a big area. Right. But we've all got talkback mics, and so we're all just talking shit <laughs> on the mic. Um, cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Just taking the piss out of each other, basically. Yeah. And um, same was on the voice, man. I I used to leave because Warren Trout, yeah, man, was yeah. on drums, and man, he is one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. I used to just leave in t- him and Dolce as well, like just hilarious dudes. Mm. And um, I used to leave in my jaw would be aching <laughs> at the end of every day because I'd be laughing so hard at those yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, man, both were great gigs. Like they're sort of it's sort of hard to compare sure. to both because they're very different different yeah. styles of show. Mm. Um. And and what they're trying to achieve is also different. Yep. I mean, there's kind of a different sort of pressure as well. Like you don't want to fuck up on either, but there's something also about, for example, if I was starting a song on The Voice and it was just guitar and vocals, for example, and it's their blind audition, for, for example, and if I screwed something up that then threw them off, that... You know that then maybe cost not, them getting into the show. It, yeah, right. Got you. That that's a different kind of pressure yeah, as right. well. Yeah. Whereas on the, on dancing, like that's interesting. You, you don't want to fuck up because you don't want to fuck up, and you don't want to detract from the quality of sure the music. But if you do, everything's going to be okay. Well, no one's going to die. No one's going to. You might not get your gig back. But <laughs> you <might not. laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I think. I mean, everyone makes mistakes, of course, but I think. The mark of being a professional is sort of how you hide them a lot of the time. Yep. But, yeah, thankfully nothing went wrong on either show, Great. really. <laughs> but, Great. Um, yeah. But, there, like I said, there's a lot of prep that goes into it all. Yeah. So you put yourself in the best position. But Yep. Um, yeah. Cool, yeah, man. So is. let's uh, – so, okay, so you're at that um, – the jazz the oh, jazz yeah, teacher. Yeah. And with looking to go to the con – yeah, that's right. But you didn't go to uni. No. You ended up going to Japan. I did go to Japan. Right. That's so right. How did that come about? And um, yeah, tell us about it. Well, I auditioned for the con. And to be honest, I didn't really do a great audition. But they offered me, they didn't offer me the bachelor course. They offered me the diploma, which is a two-year diploma. Um, and if I was to like complete all the requirements and, and pass everything at a certain level, then then I could maybe transfer into the bachelor course at the end of that. And something about that didn't feel right to me either. I don't know whether that was an ego thing or, like I said before, I didn't really love jazz. I kind of, yeah, I kind of just wanted to go to say that I went to the con, I think, which is not the right reason to spend four years of your life yeah. studying jazz. Yeah, yeah. These are things you realise looking back maybe. Of course. But, um, but back then I think, I think everyone was just telling me, like, you need to go to uni and do this and, you know, no one's going to take you seriously without a degree, blah, blah, blah. Um, which is obviously not the case. Um, living proof of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I ended up, I ended up deferring that diploma because um, I accepted it and then wasn't really into it. And then, so, yeah. so sorry. So you did you start up? No, no, did I never. No, no, no. Okay, right. So I I did it and then deferred. Okay. Um, and then I was like, nah, I'm going to think about this for a while. This yep. is before Japan even came up. Okay. And uh, Japan actually came through Andro Martinez. Yep. Um, I don't know if you – he used to – his wife at the time um, was booking this this showboat 
in in Japan in a little little village, not a village, but like a little smaller town um, called Otsu, which is about. Have you ever been to Japan? Yes, no. sir. Man, amazing country. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's about ten minutes on the train from Kyoto, and um, there's a huge lake there, and there's a paddle steamer on there because Michigan University, their sister university, is the the university from the town there, right. and so they had this um this this uh, relationship, and Michigan University gave the the university in the town I was living in this paddle steamer as a gift. Yeah, hey, I know. Real weird. <laughs> what? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, so the boat was called the Michigan, um, and it just used to do six day trips around this lake. It was called Biwako, which is Lake Biwa. Um, and, yeah, and Andro was married at the time to the booking agent of that. And uh, it was all American-themed because it's, a, you know, an American paddle steamer. It was, um, yeah, kind of geared to sort of be an American experience, but... The hired Australians. I don't know whether it's because we're we're cheaper to get there or mm. cheap. We you know whatever. But Andrew was sort of scouting talent um, for that gig, and so I didn't actually know Andrew personally. Actually, it, it's funny now we have on Facebook. I think we've got like seven hundred and fifty mutual friends or something like this. <laughs> but but at the time we had one mutual friend. I was eighteen, right? Just finished high school. One mutual friend, Rex Go, right? <laughs> and um, of all people. Um, and, yeah, and we, he just started chatting to me online and um, I was like, who's this, who's this random dude, you know, sliding into my DMs? <laughs> no, before the time yeah, yeah. of DMs, but um, yeah. just on Facebook chat and, and he was just talking about, you know, how he likes connecting with like-minded players and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, after a few weeks of just, like, general chit-chat about gear and guitars and shit, he was like, hey, me and my partner uh, booking this gig in Japan. He goes, I thought you might be interested. You know, young kid, straight out of school, don't have much tying you down. Um, and, yeah, so it was going to be, I think that was, it was sort of earlier on in the year and it's going to be for mid-year. And I had some, I was doing lots of amateur music theatre at the time mm. and um, and I had a few shows booked in between now and then so it was all going to line up perfectly and then, and so I had agreed to it. Well, I, I told him that I was interested. And then sort of over, we kept chatting. And then he was like, hey, actually, what are you doing in three weeks' time? I said, oh, shit. This, this is like now like four months ahead of of when I thought it was going to be. And he goes, we actually might have an opening for you to start earlier. I was like, oh, shit, that's awesome. And, you know, I was happy to get rid of those amateur yeah, gigs right. that I had booked in. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, it was funny because the job description kind of changed on me a little bit. So I'd said yes, my parents, because it was a bit, you know, at the time I didn't really know, I never met him in person and turns out he's he's now a great friend of mine 10 years down the track, um, which is nice. But my parents were a bit sceptical of like, who's this random dude wanting you to come overseas and blah, blah, blah. So they like had a Skype with him and made sure everything was kosher. Yeah, right. And... Yeah, and and they took me to coffee and they're like, yep, everything seems to check out. We're comfortable for you to to go. This all looks legit. And um, so signed on for it. I had three weeks to get my shit together basically. And um, within that three weeks it turned into I was, you know, I was booked to play guitar, acoustic guitar. Um, It was like there was three of us on stage and some MIDI backing tracks and nothing spectacular but Mm – and 
then over the three weeks, I get a series of phone calls from Andrew saying, "Hey, man, do you play um, do you play bass as well?" I was like, "Oh, not really," but uh, he's like, "It's the same as guitar, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> it's not," <laughs> but um, but so I I like learned the bass parts to the songs as well. And then he's like, do you do BVs? I was like, oh, I could probably like sing along in the chorus. He's like, yeah, man, that's all. Um, and, and then he's like, do you play keys? <laughs> and, I <was> like, <laughs> and I was like, not at all, dude. Yeah. He goes, oh, that's cool. Um, maybe just like have a vague idea of the parts anyway. because it's all on track, but just in case. I was like, okay. So I'm like learning bloody Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder on the oh. keyboard. And that's, that's bloody hard for someone who doesn't really yeah, play man. keys. Yeah. And um. But I was cheating. I was using the transpose button, I think, playing everything in C major. Nice. Because <laughs> that's what he said to do. And then because yeah. um, there'd be a transpose button on the keyboard there. Right. If I ever needed to do it. But anyway, turns out there wasn't on the sheet. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so I got over there and sort of had to, had to play a little bit of everything to the best of my ability. But it was all on track anyway. I think it was more just for the vibe. But I mainly played guitar and mm. sort of sang along in the chorus. But I met some great people there. Do you know Rebecca Jensen? Yes. Rebecca Wheatley? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I met her there. It's funny because like all these people just so known in the in the scene here. But back then they were just like random people to me because I wasn't in the scene myself. Yep. I just, I didn't know anyone. Yep. Um, and I met Barnell Martinez, mm-hmm. Andrew's brother. And I met Rosie Henshaw. Do you know her? Don't know her. Know of the name? Yeah, she. Um, I don't think she lives here anymore. But um, she used to be a great singer songwriter, bass player, guitar player. Um, and yeah, so so just fresh eyed out of school, pretty much like a few months out of school, finishing and off to Japan, and I couldn't say a word in Japanese. Mm. Um, and there's not very much English over there either. And so it was a big learning curve for me. I was pretty overwhelmed as well because um, I'd never lived anywhere besides at home with my family, you know. Right. And now I'm living in a foreign country where they don't speak English and I don't speak the language and yep. meeting these new people and there's this new job. Um, but, man, I mean, like I said, the gig was not spectacular, but we had the best time mm. and the lifestyle was great because, mm. you know, everything was sort of paid for. Um, you know, we had an apartment that was provided. I didn't have to pay rent or anything like that. And I was just like saving all my money basically. And I just made some like amazing friends there. We, I met some Japanese people that we were working with on the ship, some French guys that were working on the ship as well. And we're all just still in contact and it's, um, yeah. That's great. It was so overwhelming at the time. But, but once I finished it, well, once I was a few weeks into it and kind of felt you know, found my feet with the whole thing a bit. Man, it was just like the best time of my life. Well, yeah, no, no regrets. No regrets, man. Yep. And uh, Take fun. that, Con. Yeah, totally. And then, well, I still at that time, I kind of was thinking maybe I would yep. go back. and um, But sort of I got back to, to Australia once that all finished um, and the phone started ringing. I just started doing like just normal sort of gigs, covers and um, still doing a few amateur music theatre shows, um, just because they were coming up. Mm-hmm. So when, when did the professional theatre shows start to come about? Um, and what was, what was the first one? And, and so the first one was, oh, well, I got a depth job um, okay. on Jersey Boys. Right. Um, if you're familiar with that. Yep. Sort of all the music of Frankie yep. Valley, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and that was awesome. That was playing at the Theatre Royal. Yep. Um, Steve Marin's just finished the run. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the... The later one. Yeah. Yep. And... Um, 
Man, talk about a great drummer, Steve Moran. Oh, man. Uh, one of the best. Yeah, dude. And one awesome of the dude best. as well. I really oh, like him. Oh, totally. <laughs> he, he's, he's the Gig Life podcast day one. Oh, actually, no, I, I saw yeah, that man. on your Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I haven't listened to it, unfortunately. That's I will. Cool. And he, he, was, he was part of the, round, the drummer's round yeah, table as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I saw. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, we've done several gigs together, Steve and I. Yep. We, we actually did a musical as well. We did The Bodyguard together, which is okay. awesome. Okay, um, yep. That was a good vibe. Uh, but in terms of that, and that first, was with Mark Costa. That was with Mark Costa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, another monster player. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, but I was doing yeah, I was doing just a few random gigs here and there. I was doing some amateur shows, like I said, and um, I got asked it back in twenty eleven. The Queensland had like some natural disaster. There was some huge floods. Big and floods. Stuff. Yep. Yeah. I was. Um, there was this charity event like a variety concert basically um to raise money for that and it was sort of like a m- melding of the professional world and the amateur world because it was all free it was for charity and um i was doing a show at the i think it was joseph and the technicolor dream code or something like mm-hmm. that at riverside theaters um which is a pro-am show which is like the next level up from okay amateur theater yep um but not quite professional. And the MD of that show was asked to to be the MD of this variety concert. So he booked all the guys that he's used to working with. His name's um, Peter Hayward and he's, he's a lovely dude and a really great percussionist and a, um, a lovely conductor. And anyway, so he booked the band. It was one of those gigs where it's a really hard sell because it's just like, hey, it's going to be a 16-hour day, no money and mm. blah, blah, blah. And you're gonna have to sight read forty charts, and like it's a bit of a tough sell. Yeah. But man, I wasn't really in a position to to knock much back. But I was considering not doing it. Um, man, I'm just thinking about how much you're gonna to have to edit out of my rambling. No, no, I'm not like at all. quite I'm a not edit, editing anything. I'm just oh, think, cool. I'm thinking about what I'm gonna edit out of mine. <laughs> no, man, <laughs> no, you, you keep, keep rolling, anything. man, keep rolling. Well, anyway, so he he, you know, I was considering not doing this gig because it was like pretty shit deal by the sounds of it, but it was for charity and it was a good cause. I didn't have anything else to do. I was like, nothing bad's going to come from this. So, um, yeah, I signed on to do it and I met, like, we were playing, like, whilst the band were all the guys from this amateur show that I was doing, all the singers from from that day were all in professional shows. They were all, like, right. you know, big theatre stars, basically. Right. It was pretty much a, a music theatre style event. Yep. Um, like there wasn't really any pop artists on there. Um, I think Tim O'Matic might have done something. Okay. Um, but that was about it. And, man, I'm so glad that I did that gig because if someone asked me about a turning point in my like playing career or just general career. Hey, Dan, where was the turning point oh, in your career? Glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> um, that gig for sure. Right, cool. Um, in terms of sort of changing or giving me an opening to, to the industry, because I didn't really know anyone yet back then um, besides Andrew. Mm. And, yeah, so I did this gig and I met all these people and it was a workout on the reading because it was all, you know, you just rock up that day and there's a, a book of 40 charts that you've never seen before and you just got to play and you run through them once with the singer that day and then the shows that night. And... Um, I met, I met some really important people. Like uh, that night, I met. Have you heard of a guy called Chris Wright? 
at all. He's a guitar. In my opinion, he's one of the best guitar players this country has. Okay. Uh, he's, he's pretty much the last, you know, 12 or 13 years. He's sort of only really been doing music theatre uh, shows, but he's, he's done everything and now he's just sort of fallen into that, um, into the sort of that circle and he enjoys doing that and that's cool. Mm. Um, but I'd known of this guy because he came, he was actually a huge, huge inspiration to me and still is, um, but... He came to my school when I was maybe near 10 or 11 or something like that and he was doing a workshop, not just him, but he, he and a band came and, you know, when you're studying HSC, you talk about the concepts of music and um, and how it sort of applies to popular music and stuff like that because that's what you study for HSC. And, yeah, I met him there and he blew my mind. Mm. Like he was just the most mind-blowing player I'd ever seen in the flesh before. And he must have been like only 21 or something at that point but just bloody hell could play. Mm. And I met him afterwards and we exchanged email addresses and we just sort of kept in touch every mm. six months or so. Didn't really, um, yeah, didn't really see him again for years after that until he was in the crowd for this gig. And Because right. he hadn't seen me play at that point. He knew I wanted to do music theatre at that time because um, I'd, I'd asked him about that in the emails and I, I'd asked him for advice. Um, I'd... Back then I was, you know, in late high school and I was emailing all the guys um, that I was looking up to in the scene who was who were doing the things that I wanted to do, just asking for, you know, what are the skills that I need and, and how should I go about this because I don't know anything. Mm. Uh, I felt like I didn't really have anything to lose. Mm. And a lot of guys, a lot of guys would write back very blunt messages saying, hey, man, sounds like you're on the right track. Best of luck with everything. I'm like, uh, okay, that's cool. Thanks for replying. At least you wrote back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but it didn't really help me with anything, Yeah, um, which is fine. Um, but, man, Chris, he wrote me just like an essay mm. of all this. And Rex Go was another guy, um, hence why he was the first, our mutual friend, me yeah. and Joe on Facebook. Yeah. Because he'd, he'd also written me a huge email um, of, of some advice to do. Um and other theatre players. That's so good. Yeah. That's great, man. And, man, a guy called um, – two other theatre players called Gary Vickery. I don't know if you know him or not. He's pretty much only music theatre these days. Mm-hmm. And um, another guy called Graham Brown, who's a classical player. He does stuff with the symphony a lot but also does music theatre. Man, those guys were exactly the same. They yep. were so supportive. Like I think Gary spent like three or four hours on the phone to me after school one day. Like I'm just a kid like yep. a kid in school who he'd never met before. Yep. And, um, yep. He just took the time to really just talk to me about all this stuff Um, because it was such a foreign world to me back then. And Graham was really lovely as well. He used to invite me into the pit to watch him play on these big shows. So I'd just like sit beside him during the the show and watch him do his thing. And that was really inspiring to me as well. Um, But anyway, so back to Chris on that gig. So he was in the audience and I didn't actually meet him that night. It was a bit – there's a lot going on and – I sort of lost him towards the end of the night. I sent him a message afterwards saying, was that you in the crowd? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, great playing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, yeah, he sent me an, a Facebook message a couple of days later and he goes, hey, man, I hear Jersey Boys are looking for Depps because um, he was Depping on the show and he was going off to do Hairspray, I think, and so they were looking for someone to fill his role. And... uh then I got a call from Glenn Morehouse. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Uh, he was playing guitar one on the show. And he's like, hey, man, so 
I got a recommendation from Chris Wright and Rex Go um, for you. And I didn't expect it from Rex. I sort of had a heads up about Chris being on my side with it, but Rex was um, a, su- a nice surprise as yeah, well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and so after one phone call with that, like two days later I was in the in the theatre and I was – because there's – I don't know if you've seen the show or not, but there's – in that first iteration of, of the show, not the one that Steve just did, I don't think, but the first one, there was a lot of band on stage action with a bit of choreography, <laughs> which yeah. was not my yeah, yeah. strong right. suit. Right. Um, There's a lot of like playing. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't intense choreography, but just a lot to remember. Mm. And so I had a, a few days of dance rehearsals. Um, <laughs> with a guitar on me, but having to like learn the parts and not screw the parts up right. and then dancing because you're back and forth from, there was like a band box out the back of the theatre and so it was constantly running back and forth from there. And, but that was my first, like, that was my first big professional thing. Yeah. I'd only been, I'd only known amateur theatre at that point. Yep. And it just felt like a big deal to me at that point. Well, it was a big deal to me. Um, I was so convinced I was going to screw it up as well. On the way there in the car, I was just going, I wonder when the next opportunity like this is going to come up because I'm definitely going to screw this up. Like <laughs> I wonder how long I'm going to have to wait. Yeah. And um, But I blacked out for the whole thing basically, yeah. which means that I must have done you've all done, right. done good. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, you know, if you're aware of what you're doing, you're probably stuffing it up. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when nerves are that high. Yeah. Um, so that was my first, and then I did several more shows mm. on that over the course of the season, which was cool. Um, but yeah, that was my my introduction to sort of the how everything works in the professional. Yeah, and then setting. once once your foot's in there and people got your number. Yeah, well, yeah, that's great. I thought that it would be a bit because back then that's all I really wanted to do, which is not oh, okay, which is not your typical high school guitar player like wanting right. to do music theatre, you know. Uh, people always found that sort of surprising. And, yeah, and so I thought that because I did – I'm proud to say that I actually did really, really well on that gig. Like I spent so many hours practicing that yep. and like sleepless nights like studying, you know, doing the moves and yep. and playing in my room and um, just making sure I had it nailed. And And a few opportunities came out of that that then fell through. So I felt like it was like so, you know – it was almost in my reach but just kind of right. just falling short. And then another theatre gig didn't come up for years after that. Oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah, like I had a few debt jobs come through on different shows and then something, you know, would screw around with it and I, it wouldn't end up eventuating into anything. They wouldn't need someone in the end or something like that. Mm. And then I didn't really do another show until 2016. So it's, it's a good five years pretty much. Right. Um which was, but the difference was that, that I got called to do it. Like I wasn't depping on it now. I was like the man. I was getting the call for it. Yeah, yeah. which was pretty exciting. Cool. And and what was that show for? That was called Dream Lover. That was um, yep. it was an original Australian show actually. Um, starring David Campbell. Uh, it was like a big band swing show, and that okay. was bloody awesome. Yeah. And um, that was the the music supervisor for that was a guy called Guy Simpson. Uh, and the music director was a guy called Daniel Edmonds, both incredibly talented dudes. But I'd met – it's funny because back when I said that I was emailing people in school, you know, I didn't really have anything to lose. I was – I emailed Guy Simpson because I knew 
of him. He's quite a heavyweight in the music theatre world. And um, I messaged him when I was in high school. I was just like, hey, man, I'd, you know, I'd really love to work together one day. Um, like, let me know what you look for in, in players. And, you know, I know you have your regular guys, but because I, I never wanted to step on anyone's toes either. Like, I never yeah. wanted to try and, like, hustle, so to speak. I always right. just wanted to put myself on the table and take it or leave it. Gotcha. I never wanted to, like, weasel my way into a I, gig. I gotcha, yep. So I'd always start off by saying, I know you have your regular guys, but if for whatever reason they're unavailable. You know what? I had a, I had a, a note in my notes to ask you if mm. you hustle. Yeah. Hustle for gigs. No. And that's a great. That's great. You've answered the question. Yeah, there Thanks. you go. Yeah. And um, I don't... Well, I guess it depends on what your definition of hustle is. Yeah. Because... You know, some people would say sending out a text saying, hey, guys, I'm free Saturday night if you need someone is hustling. I don't know if that's hustling or not. I don't do that either, but okay. um, just because I kind of feel a bit uncomfortable yeah, with, with that. I think most people do. Yeah, mm-hmm. but each their own. Like I don't have a problem with anyone doing whatever they want. The, the thing I have a problem with is are people trying to weasel their way onto gigs by it, throwing people under the bus, undercutting yeah, people, that's, that's stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you see it happen all the time. Oh, yeah. But I'd, I would rather have a slow burner career, you know. I, I don't want quick gains at the cost of or the expense of anything else um, in terms of people. Yep. I don't want to ruin relationships and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, well said. Th- oh, thanks, man. That's just something that I've sort of always felt comfortable yeah. going in that direction. Yeah, that's good. With. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. No, well, we've, yeah, we're just we're talking about theatre. Oh, sorry, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. So this guy Simpson dude, he and I'd never met. I met him like randomly in a theatre on a gig that neither of us were doing. We just happened to be in the same place, and I actually met him in in the flesh. And then he booked me on for this big concert, um, which is another. It was like a live concert, but it was all music theatre tunes with Broadway stars that we've flown them over from America, wow. and um, and. There's a couple of Australian people on there too, um, but I don't know if you're familiar with a guy called Stephen Schwartz, but... Um, I've heard the name. He, he's written for countless Disney movies, like all the music, like Pocahontas and um, and <laughs> countless here. I can't yeah. only name one yeah. off the top <laughs> of my head. But, <laughs> but he wrote the music for Wicked the Musical right. and, and um, so many, like, so, like just contributed to music on a really crazy level, um, especially with all the Disney stuff. And anyway, he was, he also was at the gig, like he was, he did a couple of numbers with us on the piano and we're playing all of his music. So, um, that was an incredible experience for me. Mm. And through that gig, I think, I think maybe that was sort of like a test from Guy, like that was the first gig that I'd ever done yep. under him. Yep. Um, and then a couple of months later from that, he, cause he was the music supervisor for this Dream Lover show, I got a call based off that. Right. Um, yeah, and that was so exciting because after all these years of like wanting to do that, I finally got like a call for it, which is really cool. And um, it's a very different thing to depping, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know how it is like filling in for someone on a gig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah sometimes if it's a longer running gig, you've got kind of this big expectation on you because it's a well-oiled machine at that point and you just got to slot in seamlessly. Yeah. And... And it's it's different when you get the call for it because you got you know a couple of weeks of rehearsal. Yeah. Um, 
you can figure out all the choreographies, not not dancing, but like put the guitar down in this song and yeah, switch yeah. to page, you know, because yeah. you've got four bars here to have a sip, you know, all that shit that you don't. Yeah, right. It takes a little while to figure out the flow of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. I met some awesome people through that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then sort of one thing led to, it's sort of like that thing where, like you said before, um, you know, you, you make a good impression and then there's only a handful of players that sort of, I think guitar players that kind of read yeah, you know, decently, and so I think when people find one, they kind of stick stick to you. Yeah, um, that's good. So a few more shows came out of that, which is cool. Like the Bodyguard, for example, that I mentioned with Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I do enjoy the music theater thing, but I think I think I didn't quite realize what it was to do a season for so long because doing these amateur shows when I decided that's what I wanted to do, they're only two weeks. You're only doing yeah, like, right. you're only doing six to 12 sort of shows. Okay. Gotcha. And then move on to the next one. Yeah. But when you're doing the show and you're doing it eight times a week for months and months and months and months on end, like some of these shows run for six to 12 months even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of... Yeah, it's a that's a different challenge on its own, yeah. and I didn't know if I kind of enjoyed it sure. as much as I thought I would, because mm. um, I'm all about the challenge of it. And then once it, yeah, yeah, same, same with me. Yeah, yeah, you get the challenge, and then you sort of you've hit all your marks, and it's like, yeah, what's next? What's next? Yeah, do I drop it? Totally, stay with it and accept the way that it is, and totally. be happy with that, and then challenge myself somewhere else. Or absolutely. You know? And I was finding at that time, like, because there was there was five years, like I said, between when I got um, that first step job and then when I got this other music theatre gig, in that five years, I'd sort of, my feet had kind of found its way, yep. their way into other circles and I kind of yep. developed some other interests. Great. Um, and unlike high school, music theatre wasn't my only focus anymore. Um, I had, you know, I'd found... Because in that Queensland gala gig that I did where I met all those people, the artist liaison, so the person who was sort of handling all the singers that day and kind of relaying everything between the management of the gig, the band, the artist, Mm -hmm. was a guy called Flip Simmons. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah. Um, And he was possibly, well, yeah, he's one of the, the greatest people I've ever met. But... Through that, because I play in a band called Sexy Sunday Jam. Yep. And um, we go by SSJ for short. Yep. Because yep. it's not really a jam night anymore. Yep. Um, well, you got the residency at the start now, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, we do actually. Yep. Cool. Um, but that was that was sort of a long time coming as yeah, well. Because yep. we'd, we'd taken a, a good six years off, I reckon, between okay. when it was actually a jam night and when we opened up as a jam night again. Because we'd yep. been sort of transformed into a corporate band almost. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, awesome. But... The reason I, I ever got involved with those guys is because Flip was the artist liaison because right. he's like a bit of a – he was a, a theatre legend and he's sort of gotten out of that world now, okay. a bit like me as well um, in terms of getting out of it. Sure. I wouldn't call myself a theatre legend by <laughs> any <answer. laughs> But he was for sure. Um, and anyway, so he and I hit it off like a – you know, got on like a house on fire that night and he was like, what are you doing next week? And I said, oh, nothing. I was on a Sunday. And he goes, oh, it's my birthday. It's my 30th. Um, I'm having a jam. Like, we're going to be at this bar called Name This Bar on Oxford Street. Mm. And there's going to be some instruments there. Like, people are just going to be jamming songs. 
Um, no pressure, but come and come and hang out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. So I went there mm. and uh, I met all these people. Yeah, I yeah. met, it was sort of like, and they weren't really music theatre people. They sort of were, but um, I, it was just all these other just working dudes in the scene and it was just like whole new world for me. Yeah. Um, and that ended up turning into a weekly thing. Yep. And I was just going as like just a, a friend, as a punter basically. And uh, they kind of developed a, a group of regular guys that were playing every week. Mm. And then one week the guitar player couldn't make it and I was going anyway. And then they were like, hey, do you want to bring your rig and sit in tonight? I didn't know any songs at that point, man. I was barely doing covers gigs at right. that point. Right. And, um, and... A big gulp on the microphone. And, yeah, and I just ended up doing it every week from then on. Yep. I didn't replace anyone. We just added another guitar to the mix. Great. Which is cool. Mm. And here I am, man, like nine years later now That's awesome. with those guys. And we, we are just like, we're just a family, bro. Like, yeah, man. When we're, like, even if there are no it's gigs. It's a killer band. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah I, mean, we, I, I see all the videos pop up of the, oh, cool. of, the uh, of the star. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those jam nights. It's a good vibe, man. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing about the Instagram stories, eh? People totally. just keep sharing those stories. Dude, and, totally. Yeah, it's great, man. Um, well, how about we quickly talk about um, how, you, how you've become that. To me, to me, it seems like you're, the, you're that acoustic guitar accompaniment guy now. Yeah, right. Well, it's funny because people have have mentioned the acoustic sort of thing to me a bit. Um, obviously, like, I, I'm, I do both quite evenly. Yeah, um, yep, yep. In terms of how much I work yep. on both. But, mm. um... I mean, as, like... Yeah, no, the, t- I, the, t- the TV, like, you're... Yeah, you're yeah, No, like, as in, like, quite, yeah. if there's an artist and, uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I guess that's the benefit to, um... Be, like, if you're a bass player, there's not a lot of opportunities like sure. that. Um... That's where being a guitar player is cool because a lot of the time, if they just wanted a, a, an acoustic yeah, guitar, yeah. you know, you know, you got the you got the gig as the full band, but if they need it acoustic, then you can do that as well. Yeah. So when was the first time that happened? Oh, and, and the first, uh, I mean, I'd always been doing like g- acoustic duo stuff around town, okay. just, just gigs, right? Um, but in terms of like my first artist gig as a as an accompanist. Yeah. Um it was with a chick called Bonnie Anderson who I yep. I work with quite a lot still. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah that was my first time working for Sony. Um right. she was a Sony artist back then. Yep. Um she's with BMG now. But um yeah and that was my first kind of major label artist that I was just playing for. Mm. And from that, I did I did well on that gig, and you know, word it's a pretty small community there, okay. and so yeah. word travels amongst the company, and right. awesome. and I kind of just got another gig and another gig with a different artist and a different artist, and I think what a lot of people don't do on acoustic is that if you're a, an electric guitar player, a lot of people treat acoustic guitar, I think, like electric guitar. Right. It's sort of different instruments. Totally. Really. You've got you to – the inflections are different. The way you approach it's a bit different. I understand. Um, so, I mean, if I have any reputation about, you know, if, if you're saying oh, I'm the acoustic guy or whatever for these people, I think it's probably largely just to do with 
I, maybe how I approach it. I you don't do know. It, you just you do it well. <laughs> to be honest, man, it's all about the vocalist, really. I think yeah. I think a lot of the thing is just knowing when to stay out of the way, when yeah. to just hold it down, yep. and where there's space to do stuff, mm. and m- mostly just to support someone. Because I think it's the way you sit too, because like I just from what I've mm. seen, watch you play, and they're, it's like they're singing to you almost. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that, that's that's what I've seen. Well, I think I think in such an intimate setting like that, so mm. much of that is about the connection with them. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I could just be like in my own little world there, but yeah. it's not going to gel as well, you know. <laughs> totally. um, and I feel like to make it a tight performance, I've got to be like hanging on there every word. Yeah. And like I said, when it's but all you about do, you do that very well. Oh, thanks, man. Mm. Um, yeah, I when I learn a song uh, with being the only accompanist in mind, I'm kind of only going off the way I think about or the way I memorize a structural form of a song is purely from the vocal. So yeah. I know I'm really familiar with the lyrics of the song yep. when I do that. So um, when I'm performing with them, mm. I'm sort of I feel like we're kind of moving in the same uh, in the same way all the time. I, I gotcha. mm. Yeah, I think we move together, which is cool. Mm. Um, yeah, but I'm really lucky to do a lot of that stuff because unlike when you do a full band gig with an artist, yep. um, which I also really enjoy, but a lot of the time you don't get that opportunity to have that intimate connection with them. Yeah, and uh, to get to, get to hang, get to yeah. know the personality. Man, 100%. You know? Like a lot of the time when it's just me and them, we're traveling together a lot of the time. We'll, yeah, right. We'll fly together. We'll be in the same car together. Right. And there's a lot of time just hanging side of stage. Whereas if it's a full band, often... The yep. artist and the dancers are in a different section. Gotcha. The band is in a different section. Yeah, Oops. gotcha. It's all right. Whereas, yeah, if it's just me, we get mm. to, like, actually have a chat and get to know each other, which is really yeah, cool. that's cool. And, you know, like, the industry is so based on relationships. Totally. Um, people like to work with their friends and people that they get on with on a personal level too. So that's it. that definitely aids in yeah. that for sure. Fantastic. Um, any, final, any final questions before we... To be honest, everything on my list we've covered. Oh, awesome. Without it, me even have to ask. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there Thanks. might just be some things like influences and stuff like that, but I mean. Steve Lukather, Mateus. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, had, I had Luke on there too. Oh, really? you got a Luke guitar. Oh, bro, so, I've got yeah. a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. He, he's my like ultimate He's cool, hero. man. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. If, I could, if I could have dinner with anyone. It would be him. Any musician, it would yep. be him. Yeah. He's just... You'd never get a word in, man. Maybe not. <laughs> Wait, he wouldn't get a word in or I wouldn't get a word in? No, I don't think you would. Oh, well, I don't know, man. I'm a pretty heavy contender for most right. most chatty. That's awesome. Um, bro, yeah, massive influence. Awesome. But I don't actually listen to a lot of um, guitar player, guitar players. Okay. Still listen to a lot of hip-hop. Yeah, that's interestingly, great. Interestingly, but... Um, that's really cool. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm influenced a lot by vocalists more yeah. than anything. Yeah, yeah, you're a song player. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. Dan Ma, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, bro. Um, like I said, been looking forward to meeting you. And, it's and been great to meet you, It's been a man. cool hang, man. And, and um, you being only 27 years old, um, what you've achieved to this point is, is awesome. Fantastic. Oh, thank you, man. Can't wait to... Hear what happens in the next five years. Thank you. Bro. We'll do a part two, maybe a part three. That'd and, be awesome. Yeah. And then yeah. you come visit me Keep at the wrong. home and for <laughs> part four. I'll bring no, you no. Macca's coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, oh, my bro. man. Thanks so much for being Thank here. Thank you so All much, right. bro. It's an honor. Cheers, Dan. Thank you so much. Later, bro. See you, man. <laughs>